Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us for our series, Faith Sees, as we look at what the Bible has to say about your future from God's perspective. Enjoy this week's message. I want to welcome all of you to week four of our series entitled Faith Sees. We took a little break last week as we celebrated moms and my beautiful wife shared a great message, an encouraging message to all of us really, not just moms, but we're continuing with our Faith Seas series. And I want to welcome those that are in our Keller area, that are part of our Keller campus, our McKinney campus, and all of those that are a part of our new Hazlitt campus uh, there that is a forming group of people that we're excited about what God's doing, as well as all of you a part of right now, all of us, a part of this online opportunity to worship. And uh, I just want to welcome all of you that over the last few weeks have joined us. And we're just glad to have you along for the ride and with us in this journey. And I tell you, it's been an interesting time. And I feel like kind of the novelty of it is wearing off just a little bit. It's kind of like I know at my house, again, I have all my college kids came home. We're completing the homeschool work for the younger kids. And uh, it's, just, it's just been an interesting time at the start. It's kind of like, you know, like when your electricity goes out. I remember as a kid, we might have a tornado warning or something, electricity go out. It's kind of fun. You eat, you light candles, and then after a while, you're like, hey, I'd like to get past this. And so, uh, you know, we, kids are breaking out. My son went and took some friends, and they went fishing. Of course, they brought the fish back to clean in the kitchen. Uh, My wife was not happy about that, but all of the guts ended up in a trash bag. They put them out on the road. Dad says, you know, it's probably not a good idea just to set them out there because it's two days until trash pickup. Of course, they just sizzled out there and heated up. And uh, I had to back out of the driveway and uh, my son was pulling back in. He ran over the bag and just exploded fish gut. So if you're walking in my neighborhood, a lot of you are wondering, why does the pastor's house smell like dead fish? I had nothing to do with it. I was trying to offer counsel and wisdom, but all I can do is offer it. I can't make anyone receive it. But anyway, I know you probably have stories of this time period, and we're all just making it through. We're praying for those that are affected in multiple different ways. And we're believing God to continue to work so that we can move toward opening up and moving back into our lives. And so just know this, we're praying for you. I'm so proud of you in this and the way that you have served in the ways you could to take care of one another. We hear testimonies of that. and You've been faithful in giving. I can't say thank you enough for that. Uh, We've been able to maintain our staff team because of your generosity and continue to bless our community. Uh, Many of you have been meeting virtually through small groups and encouraging one another. Uh, I heard that now we've started because of some of the opening up opportunities, having some, there's people having watch parties. I heard about a watch party just north of our Keller campus. Uh, Maybe that's something over the next few weeks that you might consider is gathering in small groups and, and enjoying worshiping together. We can't wait for the time we can gather together in person. And so just know that I am consistently thinking about you and praying for you. Well, with this time, this series really dropped into my heart 
because I think the need for seeing our lives from God's perspective, the need for faith is important at any time in our lives, but especially when you go through some of the things we've been through and you have circumstances that change and you have lots of unknowns, which at every season of life, we have those opportunities and we've been using this verse of scripture as our anchor verse. I'm going to ask if you have your Bibles to turn to 2 Corinthians 5, 7, and I'm going to take you again to a biblical story that I think you're going to relate to. I tell you, it has all the components of so many common things we see in biblical stories. And I think if you're like me in this Bible story, you're going to see yourself. And so we're going to go to Judges chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 11 through 16. We're going to talk about a man named Gideon because we're learning this reality, how we see our circumstances, how we see life, how we see the world, and more importantly, how we see God affects our overall direction in life, and it really ultimately affects how we see ourselves and it affects how we live. That's what 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, for we live by faith and not by sight. Now, here's one of the things, if you're just joining us, I've been giving you a cool little uh, thought or some way to get you going. And, and what, we, what we know from seeing that verse and what we know from our lives, based on what's going on in your life, based on factors and situations, we all have a propensity. It doesn't, doesn't matter even if you're a, a pastor like me and you've been around the Bible. Here's, I know this, in the right emotional state, with the right set of circumstances, with the right stress or weariness, or we all can see life wrong. We all can see God wrong. And so we've just been talking about how we have a propensity to walk by what we see in the natural and how we think in the natural instead of lean on this supernatural God who sees life from a totally different vantage point. So here's a cool little lesson. Here's my, my pastor homeschool opportunity for you uh, as we've been using these little learning lessons. And here it is. Look at this bus. And my question for you is this question. Is the bus moving to the right or is the bus moving to the left? Now, the first time I saw this, I, I don't know if I saw it a long time ago, but recently seeing it, for some reason, I was able to look at the right-hand side of the page and think that the wheel was turning slightly, so I started making it up in my mind that this bus was moving to the right because maybe there's a slight angle, but I think it was somewhat of an optical illusion. And uh, I don't know, make your vote there, there in your little group there, where, wherever you're at. Maybe if you're with someone, you know, just, okay, what is it, right or is it left? Well, the truth is, um, when surveyed, the group of people that did the best with this picture were actually preschoolers because the bus is moving to the left because they know where the door is. And preschoolers know where the door to the bus is because they get on the bus. And so their vantage point is different. Same way it is with faith. Faith is seeing life from God's perspective. And we have a propensity to not see it right. And we've been talking a lot about our perspective. And we're going to talk about that again this weekend. But I do want to talk about this other part of the verse. And that is living by faith. Because my real goal is that 
after this pandemic is over and maybe two years from now or five years from now or six months from now or whenever it is, my goal is that you have such a biblical perspective that you are equipped and you are consistently growing even while life is on pause. This is an opportunity you have while life is on pause to grow in your faith. Because ultimately, it's not a concept. In fact, I want to make sure people understand this. You're like, you're preaching on faith. Like when you ask someone about faith, they think you're talking about like an ideology or someone might say, well, I'm, I'm not really like a person of faith. No, no, no. No, the truth is faith is not just some concept. It's not just adherence to a denomination or a religious persuasion. The truth is we all have a belief grid within us. And the Bible's exhortation to us is to put our faith and our trust in God so it actually affects how we live. See, we receive Jesus by faith. The message of Jesus is you don't earn or achieve this new way of life. You now accept me based on the life I lived and I live now through you and you do that by faith. And he's living in and through you and it's actually affecting how you live, how you live on a day-to-day basis, how your moods are affected, how your marriage is affected, how your parenting, how your work life is affected, how, how you are able to deal, as we're going to see today in this story, how you deal with problems and challenges and circumstances. And I've seen in my own life as a pastor in my own personal world over years of like growing and, and developing in this, I've seen it in my life as a pastor for many years, I've seen it as a parent And that is this, that you can keep facing the same things in life, but not know how to live God's way through those things. And you can keep encountering the same stuff unless you learn how to live by faith. And we're going to learn in this story that I think is a powerful, powerful story. I I so relate to it. And we're going to learn in this story that how you see God affects how you see yourself, and how you see yourself affects your faith. This story in Judges, I want to give you just a brief snapshot so you understand when you're reading the Bible, you understand the stories are in context and there's a a process of what God's doing with his people that ultimately leads up to the person of Jesus Christ. Some of you may know that, in fact, God's people, the children of Israel, they've been delivered from Egypt. They spent years wandering, they go in and possess the land, they possess cities, they start settling, and this is such a common pattern, and now after possessing this promised land that God has given them, and there's these abundant blessings, they now turn away from God, they turn to idols. They turn to idols, they cry out to the Lord, the Lord sends a prophet to say, here's what you need to know and you need to see from my perspective And then eventually, because they're crying out, he sends a deliverer. All of these deliverers of the Old Testament pointing to the ultimate deliverer, Jesus Christ, who delivers humanity from the tyranny of idolatry and worship of the wrong things, and Jesus comes into our lives. But the ultimate factor is the oppressor is defeated and there's peace in the land. 
But I want to go more specifically into the story of Gideon, and I want us to look at some of the things and pull some of those things out so that we can learn how to live by faith. Here, Gideon is going to be appointed as that messenger. He has the typical profile in the Bible of the one that wouldn't think it's possible for him to be chosen to be used by God. God has a track record of using the people who do not fit the profile of the person everyone would think is that that's the person who would be the deliverer because God gets the glory when he uses this man Gideon. And there's a moment here called a theophany, similar to what happened in the story of Moses where there's a burning bush the angel of the Lord, theologians believe that this is a, an appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament, but they would call it the angel of the Lord. He came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizirite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. So the big issue here is that right before this story, the Midianites are described as, in the Bible actually, as so oppressive. It's so oppressive. It sounds like my daughter's. Dad, it's so bad. So oppressive. So there's this emphatic understanding that this is a formidable opponent. And what's happening is they're coming into Israel in this promised land that God has given them and they're raiding it at harvest time and they're taking their cattle and their sheep and their crops. And so the truth is all of Israel's now hiding in caves and here is Gideon, he's in a wine press in this hidden place and he's threshing wheat because that's the staple food that they need. So the, the, the whole emphasis here is an oppressor and a guy who's hiding. He's hiding out to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now again, he doesn't fit the profile of a mighty warrior, but Jesus always sees you where you can be if you'll surrender yourself to God's power and God's strength and God's ability. Maybe in your life, you're hiding out. You're hiding out somewhere. You just feel oppressed. You've been running. The truth is, if you'll let God come and speak into your life, he'll speak to where you can be with him, who you can be, not in and of yourself, but who you can be through his strength. He calls him a mighty warrior. That's one of the coolest thoughts in the whole Bible, that God comes to an afraid, scared little guy over here hiding out, trying to make sure he has enough to eat and keep it from the enemy and says, you're a mighty warrior. You're a mighty warrior. I believe in that principle, by the way. I tell my kids who they can be. I don't always tell them what they're not. Now, I don't have a problem correcting you, but you, you know, there's a power in speaking to the potential that's inside of people. And look what he says here, pardon me, Lord. I love that every time there's fear and there's a lack of understanding of who God wants you to be in the Bible, there's always this reverential, I need to appeal this, pardon me, Lord. Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Such a common response, not only in biblical times, if there's some things that are going bad, then God's not with us. If everything in our mind, the way we want it to be is going good, then yes, that shows the sign that God is with us. But the, the picture God's trying to give us is I'm with you 
in the challenges, in the circumstances, in the, in the situations of your life. I, I'm with you at all times. He said, but you know, if you'd have been here, if you were here, then we wouldn't be facing all this. Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Now, by the way, they walked away from the Lord. He didn't abandon them. Amazing how the narrative changes. The Lord returned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? So when he's the one doing the sending, then you go with the authority and the power. Pardon me, my Lord. Again, Gideon's just giving his rebuttal. He replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my family. What's he saying? I have no one outside of me because he doesn't understand the power he has to call on the Lord and to see his strength live through him. So he's like, I don't have anybody stronger than me to call on. And I'm like at the bottom of the food chain. I'm like, I, have, I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but you're like, okay, you're talking about faith, Pastor Jeff. You're talking about strength. You're talking about reaching your potential. Like here's a common thought. Well, that's for somebody else who has other resources to call on. The Bible is directly contradicting that thought. He has no one to call on. He's at the bottom of the ladder, at least in his own mind. And so he says to the Lord, how can I do this? The Lord answered him, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. I'll be the one. And you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. And of course, the rest of the story is actually pretty powerful in that he goes and he tears down the idols that are in his father's house. He then rallies a group of men and God actually has him thin that group down some again so that it doesn't look like it's physical strength, but it's God's ultimate strength that does it. He does defeat the Midianites and the Israel, God's people says, we want, they want, we want you to be our ruler and because the theme of this entire story, again, paints to the life we have in Jesus, because this was a physical appearance of Jesus, Gideon says, look, it's not my job to rule you. You'll be ruled by the Lord your God. He's your God. You say, okay, that's, that's, that's great. That's a great story. But how does that help us live by faith? Oh, it has such deep meaning. And that is this, we're a lot like Gideon. Our perspective shapes our identity. Our identity affects our ability to live by faith. I've never seen a person who's consistently growing and taking steps and overcoming, no matter what they face, who does not have the ability to see themselves the way God sees them. How you see yourself in a proper understanding of the God who created you. How you see God determines how you see yourself. And that ultimately determines how you live. Here, here's, what, here's what happens in our lives when we don't trust God's character, God's view. Here's what we've all kind of done, some or all of this, but here's what I found. Most of us end up in this place, the same place the people of God were, the same place Gideon was. First of all, we get frustrated because God hasn't fixed everything like we want it to be fixed. And, and I want you to know that this is one of those places where when we have that view that God hasn't fixed it all exactly like I want it, then generally, there's some people that kind of fight and push back against God, but generally most of us withdraw. 
We hide, we isolate. We just kind of pull away from our time with him. We, we don't really pray to him because we feel like, look, he's not listening anyway. He's never answered a prayer anyway. So we, we end up in a, in a challenging relational scenario. And I, I want you to know this. When I say we're to live by faith, you need to know this. Faith is relational. Faith is relational because why? It's not our system. Look, there's some principles to faith. But faith is relational because it's imparted to us by God who wants to have relationship with us. And so there's a relationship. So why would the enemy not want to come and get us frustrated with God? Because that'll disconnect us from God. And the more disconnected we are from this relationship, the more we withdraw, the more we spend a little less time, the more we hide, the more we isolate, and then we end up in idolatry. Now, there was an Asherah pole, there was Baal, is what the, this, this setting with Gideon and his family, where they ended up, we may not even know what that is. But I will tell you this, we have, we're susceptible, maybe not to a physical object, but we're susceptible to moving to something that we think can fix it. Whatever will promise to fix it, we'll make that our idol. And so when we do that, those idols can't ultimately deliver. And so we find ourselves in a desperate situation. And then we kind of get trapped in our pain. We get trapped in that, what, not just the initial thing that frustrates us, but the pain on the backside of being separate and distant from God. I got a letter from a gentleman this week who was part of Milestone Church years ago. His wife was really touched and really, really impacted, but he admittedly in the letter said, I was going through the motions trying to be a good husband. And he says, and, and, and we who were talking to him and connected to him, we knew he was disconnected, but we didn't know why totally. And he said, you know, what happened was I lost my father unexpectedly something I've experienced recently. It wasn't as unexpected, but I understand the grief of that. And he said, I was just walking through it. It was so painful. He wasn't equipped to live by faith. He wasn't equipped to deal with circumstances that he couldn't fix, that he didn't expect, that he didn't want. And he did what all of us do. He started isolating, started pulling away. And so he found himself sort of trapped over a several year period trapped in his pain, which impacted his relationships, which impacted ultimately his life and how he lived. You know what ultimately happens in this scenario where Gideon was? We develop an unhealthy view of ourselves. We develop an unhealthy view of ourselves, which also leads to this unhealthy view of God as well. Remember, faith is relational. So in this series, if I'm teaching you how to live by faith, what we, we miss sometimes is there's a lot going on in here. And unless we know how to, to see what's happening inside of us in the soul realm, we're never going to see our actions demonstrate living by faith because we can't win the battle of what's going on inside of us. I like to think of it this way. It's like a teeter-totter. And, and, and in my experience, I, I've been in these kind of places. I can relate to Gideon. I can also, as I said, I can relate to people you talk with. And I find that many times we're at one end. If you remember playing on the playground, the teeter-totter, and it's like we're in one extremes. By the way, 
The longer I work with people, the more I realize no matter how packaged we look on the outside, most of us are extreme on the inside. Big, we're extreme. We've got deep feelings about things. So we live in this teeter-totter, just like a little kid on that thing. What does a kid not want? No one's scared when it's flat, but what a kid doesn't want is to be stuck with the extreme position of way up here, ah, I'm gonna fall. And here's the teeter-totter in the soul when it comes to faith. One side is this, I'm guilty and unworthy. You know, I kind of grew up with that. I grew up with this idea that for God to really bless, like I'm not, I'm not in a place where I should even think that God would want that because, you know, you should only kind of be blessed or helped or encouraged on the basis of your effort. So, so I kind of had that sort of relationship with God a little bit of kind of a responsible, but I didn't think of him as this sort of father who sometimes, even where I don't even sow to it, wants to, to help and to bless, kind of like a, a, a God who had come to a guy in a wine press that was an idol worshiper who, who saw himself as the least and say, you're a mighty warrior. And by the way, some of us are on this teeter-totter, not because we even chose it, it's kind of the faith that's been handed to us. Did you know there's also another extreme, and that is God's sole job is to make everything in our world fit the box that we think is blessing. And the truth is, if God did that, many times it wouldn't be a blessing, it would actually be a curse and it would kill us. So we kind of have this entitled viewpoint and we only relate to God on the basis of if we sort of roll the dice or the magic ball and if he's always doing what we want, but when we encounter something that's different than that, we sort of tune him out, which is really no relationship with a real God at all. And I know we're all in varied places of that, but my goal is to get all of us to that place of that biblical perspective because if you're on either end of this teeter-totter, here's what happens. You stop moving forward. You stop moving forward. You end up in a wine press hidden out like Gideon with a wrong view of yourself and a wrong view of God, and you stop moving forward. Faith is the ability to keep moving forward because of your confidence in the character of God. In the character of God. No matter what you face. I talked with a young lady years ago. My team and I were standing at the end of our Discovery 101 class that we have where people come in and learn more about Milestone. And I'll never forget that this young lady had so much tragedy, so much pain in her background. My heart really went out to her. And I remember her talking to me about what she had recently faced. She had so much challenge in her family background and her life that the way she ended up at Milestone was that she had taken 50 Xanax and she had gone through this, just, just tried to end her life. And the people that were working for her talked to her about faith and God. And she reached out and she gave her life to Jesus. And she told me, she said, the Bible that you gave me, now we give a book called Closer to help people learn how to walk with Jesus. And it refers and has Bible verses. And we give people a Bible as well. But she got a Bible, and I would always recommend read the book of John. And so she said she had driven 40 minutes to come to church and had taken a step that she said was scary. And she's just sharing with me her personal life and crying. And here's what I, I thought. I just, and, and I looked at her. And I said, I want you to know I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. She just began to weep. 
And what did I see in her? I saw, despite the odds, despite the circumstances, despite how she could say, I try to take my own life. I don't even deserve for God to listen to me. Somehow, some way, through accepting Jesus and Jesus now showing her her value and her reading the book of John and seeing the words. Did you know when you read the New Testament, you see we're the sons and daughters of God. We're more than conquerors. We're chosen by him. We're his masterpiece. And we start seeing who we really are. It had started her on a path to start moving forward. She was at the start. I don't know where you are, but what does it look like when you live by faith? The first thing is you do it even when you're afraid. When, even when you're afraid, you take steps. I used to go to my grandmother's house in Northeast Texas. A lot of times on Saturday mornings, she would make a breakfast and she had a newspaper for all of you young people, that's this thing that they used to deliver to your house and it has, uh, you know, whatever. But anyway, it, it, it had like the news in it and you actually had to put your name in there and it had to, you know, have, it had to be true and stuff. But anyway, there was like editorial responsibilities and stuff. But anyway, in that newspaper uh, would be the comics and she liked for me to read her the comics. And she, she, she also had a Reader's Digest. Come on, Reader's Digest people, you know, and I'd read her the, the jokes in the Reader's Digest or we'd choose a story. And then there was this column by a lady named Ann Landers. There was also another one called Dear Abby. And so we would, we would read something out of that. And so we'd, we'd have this time, you know, kind of reading, talking, eating, eating breakfast. And, 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 and I, I learned later on that Ann Landers received like 10,000 letters a week. 10,000 letters a week. And when asked, what is the most common problem that you deal with? She said, without hesitation, it's fear or perceived things that could happen that make people afraid. The fear, not just illness that people face, but the fear of that situation, the fear of if I know that I have this, the fear of what that means fear. But you know what living by faith means? Because you're connected to God who you know is going to take you through whatever you do know or don't know, you still take the steps he's asking you to take and you're able to overcome the fears that want to paralyze you. By the way, you, you don't stop living by faith because you have a negative thought or a fearful thought. I mean, I, I have those. You stop moving forward in God when you are paralyzed by fear. When you withdraw from God and you let fear take over, you let fear dominate, you get on that seesaw to such a degree that your soul gets locked up and you stop moving forward. Here's the next thing that happens when you live by faith. You, you gain confidence along the way. So, so here's how it works. You understand God calls you mighty warrior even when you feel like you're the least. When you look at a formidable, so oppressive opponent and you feel defeated and everyone else is hiding out in caves and you may, you may feel like you're hiding out now. I'm not talking about just the fact you've been quarantined. You've been quarantined in your soul. You're just hiding out, hiding from God, hiding from people. And maybe just this message you've tuned into, God saying, look, there's still elements that are holding us back culturally, but I want to come in and I'm not quarantined and I want to come in and I want to help you start moving forward in me. And here's what happens when you do that. You start gaining confidence when you take 
those first steps with God and you just keep start, you just start pursuing him. It's like a little kid. One thing I've done with all my kids for is I've watched the process of them learning to ride a bike and they get real excited. Then they fall and scrape their knee. I know when I first started riding a bike, I kind of got going. My dad just let me go, ran off in, in East Texas. We have grass burrs because it's a sandy soil, went right into a patch of grass burrs. I'm like, I'm done with this. I quit. Don't need to ride a bike. Make fun of me if you want. And so, man, I was like, I'm going back home to mom. My kids, all of them, different personalities. And, you know, I remember one of them that fell into this and fell into that. But I tell you, there's this moment when it clicks. And it clicks and they start getting some confidence. There's still some wrecks ahead, but they have some confidence. And and I want you to know this. Confidence is not based on your position. It's not based on your personality. It's not based on what you can call on to fix your problems. Confidence is not even a personality trait. Confidence that we're to have is confidence in God, and it comes little by little when you live by faith and you see that God, when he says, I will be with you, he always is. Doesn't mean that you don't have challenges, but he's always there, and it's usually on the backside of the situation that you recognize he's way ahead of you. He sees it from a different vantage point. Here's, here's the next thing in living by faith. You, you don't quit when you meet some resistance. Do you know, in fact, here's, here's just something I've learned along the way. I see this process. Again, I, I see this story of Gideon is like a, a Bible template with some different scenarios. I, I, Moses, Joseph, I mean, you see, you see the life, you see Jesus, the deliverer. It's this common thing. And, and here's the thing, God comes God gives a vision of a preferable future or what he's calling you to, and then you have no idea what is usually involved in in the middle of that. In my life, it's like, here's where I want to take you. Here's where I want you to go. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I'm qualified. Man, I'm scared of that. I I don't know. I want you to know there's some of you, you have an improper view of God and faith that actually is limiting you from what God wants to do through you because of your guilt complex that he, he's like, I want to take you here, not to glorify you, but to glorify me. And here's what I've learned. God will say, here's where I want to take you. And then usually then it's, it happens in a totally different way than I would have drew it up. Because see, my job's not to strategize all the steps. My job is to be with the one who's ordaining the steps. He's the one taking me through it. And so many people quit before the realization of what God wants to do. So resistance doesn't necessarily mean it's not God. It may be actually what God's using to get you where he's called you to go. Here's the final thing. You find strength in weakness. This is a common Bible theme. The reason God uses the person who has perceived weaknesses is again, he gets the glory. If it's a big army, Defeating a small army, God doesn't get the glory, but if he whittles down the army to 300 and defeats the Midianites, if he takes the guy in the wine press who's hiding out, who says, look, we're the smallest clan. I'm the weakest dude. I'm like the youngest in my family. Like I got nothing. God gets the glory. And so weakness doesn't have to be a liability. It can be a great gift if you'll let God work through your weakness. See, again, it's about how you see God and how you see yourself. You, you know you have some weaknesses, but you have a God who works through your weaknesses when you surrender them to him. The apostle Paul was the best with this. He said, I'll even boast about some of my weaknesses. And you know the reason I do? 
because the power of Christ can rest on my weaknesses. Here's what happened in this story. Gideon went from an idol worshiper who was hiding out in a cave like the rest of his culture, and it shows the power of one person surrendered fully to God. He went from a person who was hiding out, and it all changed. And it changed the lives of a lot of people because he changed how he saw God and how he saw himself. Let me tell you the rest of this story that I told you earlier about the letter that I got from this gentleman. He said, during this pandemic, my wife and I, I'm talking about the gentleman that I talked about who said I was kind of distant and I was out there. It was all because of the pain of the loss of his dad. You know what he told me in the latter part of the letter? Since this pandemic, I've been tuned in, watching the messages, watching the daily word with my wife. And he was impacted and God's been working in his life. And he said, he looks back and sees how even though he was in that place, God had been faithful. God had been faithful in the life of his wife. God had been faithful even. And now he's waking up in the morning as well, working out and watching other messages. He had recently watched my storms message and he was talking about the power of understanding storms when they're unexpected. And here's what I saw. He's growing. His confidence, I could see it in the letter. His confidence is growing because it's a story about he changed when he saw his situation differently because now he started seeing God differently. Here's the question as I close. You know what the question is? Where are you on this teeter-totter? I mean, we could talk all day about Gideon, but where are you? Are you over here in this place where you're like, you know, God just hasn't done it like I think he should. And I mean, like, what, you're like Gideon. Where were you, God, when this happened? What, where were you, God, when I lost my job in this pandemic and life was already hard enough? Where were you, God, when this happened? Where, where were you? Like, God, where were you along the way? And so you're just kind of struggling through that. And by the way, I'm so glad these, these verses are in the Bible where Gideon tells God that. It's okay to process it but you can't stay there. Are you in that place? Or are you in this place over here where God's looking at you saying, oh, you're good with not getting God in a place where you're in any way entitled and you've kind of got the frame of reference that God's in charge, but you kind of, at the end of the day, when you're really honest, you don't feel worthy for God to do something significant through your life. Look, At the end of the day, the story of Jesus and the story of the Bible, at the end of the day, it's not about us, but it is about us. It's not about us in the sense that God is the ruling, reigning, sovereign king, but the story also includes that he chose to come be one of us so that he could come and live inside of all of us so that he could have us empowered to live by faith And you may be over here in a place by your perspective of your own unworthiness and your own position, limiting what God wants to do. Limiting what he wants to do through your life. So so where are you? Here's what I know. I've been in somewhat of those places and every time you get there, you get stuck. You get stuck. And God wants you to live by faith and move forward. Wherever you're at today, here's the good news. Just like Gideon, you can come out of that wine press and you in that cave. You, you, you can come out of that place and you can move toward what God has for you. I want you right where you are. In fact, wherever you're at, watching on a mobile device, in your house, maybe you're with a group. I'm asking every person 
just to bow their heads right where they are. In fact, just, just posture yourself for a minute. Turn off the distractions. I think this is an important moment. I want to pray for you. And so I want you just to bow your heads right where you are. Bow your heads and, and, and understand this. God wants to come in to your situation, to you personally. I believe this is a message that God wants to speak to every single one of us somewhere in this. Because the truth is, even in what we're facing, we're all kind of at different places of how we have survived it, but we're still dealing with emotional stuff. And I believe there's some of you, you need to receive Jesus today. That's your step. You need to receive Jesus. And, I, and you just just pray, Jesus, come into my life. I, I, don't, I can't do life without you. You died for me. You rose from the dead. You're my ultimate deliverer. Come into my life. Save me. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to text to the number on the screen, meet Jesus. Text that, and we have a team of people ready. We want to give you a resource. We want to help you start learning how to walk with Jesus. The second group, though, I want to pray for you, and I want to pray for where you're at, maybe. Where are you at in that process? Where are you stuck? And Lord, I pray that, Lord, you would, you would help us to see you properly. That when our circumstances are challenging, that doesn't mean you have changed. When we don't have in our own self the strength to move forward, you're faithful into all generations. Lord, we want to see you properly. That's what we're learning in the series is you're so much bigger than many times we are willing to understand or to give that credit in our lives to, to really place you there. Lord, if we're in a place where we are kind of got a sense of entitlement and we've been withdrawn, Lord, if we're in a place where we feel unworthy and we're not seeing ourselves properly, Lord, we know that when we see you properly, we see ourselves in a more healthy way and we live by faith. I pray, Lord, that's imparted to people today. Whatever they're facing, wherever the enemy's oppressing them, in their emotions, in their depression, in their, their, their jobs, their marriages, their life with their kids, they would engage, not on the basis of their strength, but on the basis of your strength. And I wanna say finally to all of you, right where you are, if you have any need, we have a team of people ready to minister to you, to help you, to pray with you, to encourage you. And so text that number on the screen and we have a team of people ready to pray with you. I'm excited about next week. We're going to continue our faith series. And so I pray that you'll join me next weekend as we continue to talk about faith in a practical way. Maybe you'll have a watch party next weekend, join together with some others so that you can let God continue to build our faith in this time that we're living. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do for you or help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out by texting us at 817-406-7470. Our team would love to pray with you and help in any way that we can. If you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.